Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Friday, July 23rd. On today's episode of the Roundup, we're going to talk about COVID vaccine hesitancy by healthcare workers. I never thought that would be a topic for us after more than 600,000 deaths, but here we are. Specifically, we're going to talk about why many healthcare workers aren't getting vaccinated. What can healthcare employers like hospitals and medical practices do to encourage their workers to get vaccinated? And whether healthcare employers should require their employees to be vaccinated against COVID. Putting their public health hats on for us today are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Merchantson, partner at Transformation Capital. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning? Dave? I'm 100% vaccinated and proud, Dave. Uh, but I also find myself wondering if the rise of the COVID Delta variant is somehow affecting passenger volume on Delta Airlines. Who knows? <laughs> Somebody will do that story. That's a good one. I feel a song coming. <laughs> Delta Dawn? Uh, we'll have to work on that. All right, Julie, how are you doing this morning? Well, somebody asked me on a call yesterday if I thought that HIMSS was going to cancel their August conference again. And A, I don't know why people ask me my opinion for this. And B, I'm starting to get that really eerie feeling and like bad things are coming. Yeah, I think the daily average or the weekly average is over 30,000 a day now. Is that new cases? Yeah. It was just a few weeks ago under 12. So uh, it was 40,000 yesterday. Unreal. Goodness. All right. Now, before we talk about vaccine hesitancy by healthcare workers, let's talk about vaccine hesitancy in your circle of friends and family. Dave, anyone close to you dead set against getting a vaccine? And if so, what's their reason? I don't know anybody who is personally against getting a vaccine. Maybe I need to travel in larger circles. So nothing for you there, Dave. Okay. Thanks. Julie, how about you? Anyone you run with not getting a vaccine and why? You know, my tennis instructor, who has a lifelong career with me, couldn't get the vaccine, apparently for health reasons on his side. And the very last time I saw him, Fourth of July weekend, he apparently had contracted COVID and has had a horrendous time of it. So I feel terrible for him. And it's a little shocking how close to home it can hit. Yeah, no, sorry to hear about that. I know a lot of people who won't get vaccinated. One is a nurse who says the vaccines are still experimental. And until they get full FDA approval, nothing is going in her arm. Never mind that 340 million doses have been administered without much incident, right? Pretty crazy. All right, I guess that's a good lead in to the first question. And that's why so many healthcare workers aren't getting vaccinated against COVID. Dave, why are frontline healthcare workers hesitant? What are some of the reasons you're hearing or reading about? And do those reasons stand up to scrutiny? I'm thinking about your nurse friend, Dave, and remembering Forrest Gump's famous quote that stupid is as stupid does. But when it comes to people not getting vaccinated, healthcare workers, it's about 25% overall. 45% of nursing home workers and even higher percentages of home health workers. And that's despite heroic efforts by their employers to get them vaccinated. It's tragic because the high numbers of nursing home deaths can be directly translated to unvaccinated workers. Their refusal to get vaccinated is literally killing people. 
So the reasons why they won't get vaccinated, uh, you've heard them all before. You just said some of them. Unproven science, vaccines came too fast, worried about side effects. They're personally not worried about catching the disease, don't seem to worry about what it does to others. It can make women infertile. Bill Gates is planting location devices in the vaccine. Uh, You know, none of it stands up to scrutiny. So here's what I think is really going on, and it's informed by sociologist Robert Putnam's latest book, The Upswing. Putnam is the guy that wrote Bowling Alone. You might remember that book. It's the one that observed that more people than ever were bowling, but there were fewer bowling leagues in America than ever before, a commentary about isolation in the country. So in his latest book, Upswing, Putnam examined U.S. economics, politics, society, and culture from 1900, essentially the end of the Gilded Age, to the current day. And it's a really interesting trend across all four of those dimensions. From the early 1900s until the middle 60s, we saw greater income equality, more political alignment, greater social inclusion, more cultural cohesion. And then starting in the 60s into the 70s and since then, it's gone the other direction to the point where we have now you know, the highest levels of income inequality since the early 1900s, more political disagreement, greater social isolation, and more cultural division than at any time in the past. In Putnam's discussion on politics, he made the observation that most people, you know, 95%, are not ideological. They adopt the beliefs of the team they want to belong to. Human beings essentially are hardwired in our DNA to get along with our group. So in such a divisive period, it's not really that surprising that so many are choosing to believe the unproven and the illogical. It's just really unfortunate that that's the state that we're in right now. Yes, the roots of the problem really run pretty deep. Thank you. Yeah. Julie, what can healthcare employers like hospitals, long-term care facilities, and medical practices do to encourage their employees to get vaccinated? What do you think would work? What do you think wouldn't work? Well, first, Dave, I think that was such a great kind of macro look at what's happening, and I 100% agree. And look, these systems are in a tough spot they frankly shouldn't be in, but they've lost a ton of staff, right? And they're really worried that they're going to lose more if they start to really bear down on the rules and they're worried about losing to their competitors. I mean, it's all the kind of basic needs issues of what Dave was talking about. And when I look at that, I just say, this is a situation for leadership and more leadership. Just, it screams for it. And they're not going to mandate, then I think they absolutely need to be at least doing the bare minimum. Things like providing medical exemptions and following all the federal requirements and guidelines and education and da da da. But unfortunately, the bare minimum isn't working well. We even heard from folks like the head of infection prevention at UF Jacksonville that said dozens of virtual town halls and educational videos are still not moving the needle. So the bare minimum is not doing it. Second, they need to consider what's really moving people today. And I think in this kind of sociological study Dave was talking about, it's really stories and anecdotes. And we need to play into this, the good and the bad of these stories and anecdotes. And leaders need to really look at what happens when healthcare workers aren't getting vaxxed. We've seen evidence in nursing homes around how they've spread it to other workers and to residents, and there's been a lot of unnecessary deaths. So 
we're getting a lot of stats. Maybe we just need better stories. Third, we all know we need to use healthcare workers to send these messages and really play to the responsibility that healthcare workers have for patients and for the community. I think there's kind of a lack of accountability happening in what the role of being a healthcare worker is. And fourth, leaders just, they need to lead. They need to take off the competitive armor and pull together leaders from much wider swaths than just their four walls. Leaders from other healthcare organizations in their region, their competitors, and really focus on this as a community effort. Like we need to pull together and really look to what the needs are to do the right thing. You know, folks in Massachusetts have done this very thing at the health system level. So I don't know, I'm a broken record, but for the love of God, just take a stand and lead. Thanks, Julie. Yeah, behold the power of storytelling. That's great. Dave, anything to add to Julie's comments? I really like the point about leadership and taking a stand for the public good. You know, when you think about the comment I made about people uh, adopting the beliefs of the team they want to be on, I saw one poll that said uh, 45% of Republicans are against vaccination and only 5% of Democrats. Uh, So given that's the team designation we're working with, I was encouraged to see that some of the Republican thought leaders, even Sean Hannity of all people, uh, came out pretty forcefully this week in favor of vaccination. So I'm hoping we see that kind of leadership really for the good of the country uh, from all across the spectrum. Thanks, Dave. Now let's talk about mandates. That's always such a loaded word. Julie, do you think healthcare employers should mandate code vaccines for their employees? Why or why not? I don't know why this just dropped into my mind, but when you said mandate being a loaded word, it made me think, God, should the word be woman date? Like, what's the right word? (laughs) (laughs) Totally irrelevant to our discussion. Well, we already fixed social determinants of health, so we we could do mandate next. We can have some fun. So this opinion, I'm sure, is not popular necessarily, but I do think we need mandates. And I don't think so because I believe that mandates are the right way to go. And I also don't believe that they're aligned with who America is or the way that we think or anything. But I believe we need to because I don't see any other way out of this at this point. I mean, the lack of logic around some of these arguments is a little bit insane. And the misinformation is so high. And you even have the Surgeon General publicly naming misinformation as a threat to public health. I mean, it's bad. So I just think we may be beyond choice at this point. And healthcare is the only business or the only industry that, you know, mostly by design is full of people who are immunocompromised and for whom vaccinations often fail to really protect them. So think older adults, cancer patients, transplant patients, individuals with diseases like HIV AIDS and, and many others. And for these folks, Health systems have to create the safest place possible. It's part of what creating good health really is. And I love that massive public health figures like Ashish Jha and Zeke Emanuel are coming out to really point out that the Hippocratic Oath of first do no harm absolutely demands it. And when you look at some of the wording there, you know, of course, there were no hospitals back in the day. So this first piece about what physicians pledge to say, They said, into whatever homes I go, I will enter them for the benefit of the sick. Nurses pledge to devote myself to the welfare of those committed to my care. And it goes on and on and on from phlebotomists to pharmacists who say, all of them, that they assure optimal outcomes for their patients. 
And I love that we're starting to pull this out because it gets back to that question of who are you and what do you want to be doing with your life? And if you've committed to play this role, you're going to have to sacrifice for that commitment. All good points. Thanks, Julie. Dave, if you ran a hospital or a health system, would you require all your employees to be vaccinated from COVID? How would you justify your decision? I'd try to be clever at first and use incentives as much at first to get compliance. But many organizations have tried to do that, and they're still stuck at you know 60% vaccination rates. So ultimately, I'd come down, like Julie was saying, on the side of mandates or woman dates, I guess. The reasons are, first and foremost, they work. You're seeing organizations that have done this, like Houston Methodist, getting 98, 99% compliance. Uh, you lose a few people, very few people. So mandates work, that's first and foremost. Second thing is, and I thought Julie's point on the immunocompromised individuals that healthcare takes care of. Mandates will save lives. They avoid preventable deaths. These deaths in nursing homes traced directly to unvaccinated healthcare workers are entirely tragic and preventable. We just shouldn't let that happen. And then finally, it's, it's ethically, and Julie spent a lot of time on this, the right thing to do. There is a natural iconoclastic libertarian streak embedded in US culture and that's okay if you want to go cliff diving or rock climbing without a harness. You're only going to hurt yourself. But with COVID's virulent transmissibility, particularly with the new Delta variant, the decision not to be vaccinated puts others at risk needlessly. That's wrong, and we just have to stop it. And if it takes a mandate to get people to do the right thing, so be it. And I also wanted to send a call out to Zeke and Ashish, both of whom I know. Right on, guys. Keep up the good work. Got it, Dave. Thank you. Julie, anything to add to Dave's comments? Well, I'll just take a bit of a twist on that ethical piece, Dave. I don't know if you saw that Centura in Colorado is providing cash incentives for their employees to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this and thinking about how we incentivize certain behaviors and when monetary incentives have been used and not. And it made me really think that we should not be using money to incentivize people to do something that has just such deep ethical and moral fibers to it. We should be incentivizing people to do things that perhaps are truly decisions that they can make for themselves. So I decided that the cash incentives is a bad idea. I agree with that, Julie. What I was thinking of more in terms of incentives were if you want to go to a company picnic, for example, you have to show that you've been vaccinated. That's more of a carrot in that regard. And yes. so you lose out if you don't, if you don't. It, the reward goes to the many who are vaccinated and the loss goes to the few who aren't rather than the reverse. So I, I probably should have gone into that in a little more detail. So thanks for bringing that out. Now, you know, the American Hospital Association just came out in favor of or in support of mandates. Too little, too late, just in time, leading from behind. What are your thoughts on that, Dave? Well, since I disagree with just about every position the American Hospital Association takes, I'm happy that they took this one. And I wish they'd done it earlier, but I'm glad they're there. Got it. Julia, any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, ditto. I just think it shows the amount of pressure that organizations who, frankly, should be leading to do the right thing are getting to actually do that. And AHA is one of them. Thank you. Yeah, I know I'd want anyone breathing on me or anyone in my family during an exam in a hospital or doctor's office to be vaccinated. That's the consumer perspective. Now, as always on the roundup, let's talk about next week. Julie, first, you predicted a big SPAC deal. And one happened yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw Semaphore. Precision Medicine Company went public through a big SPAC deal. So we're going to listen to your next prediction more carefully than ever. What's (laughs) the big story next week? Oh, my gosh. I wish it were a big one because all I wanted to say this week is that I think this story we talked about today is still next week's big story. Got it. Okay. Dave, what's making healthcare headlines next week? I'm going to agree with Julie. You know, we talked about it right at the top of the broadcast that infections are up to uh, 40,000 a day. That's not too far away from the number of the last summer's peak, which which got into 60,000 a day. And the ability of this uh, virus to go up geometrically as it gets into communities is really pretty frightening. So I, I think... Uh, there's going to be a lot of rhetoric about uh, getting vaccinated and enormous pressure uh, for organizations to go to mandates and so on. I also, that the point you made also at the top of the broadcast, Dave, about this emergency use declaration for the vaccines, they ought to just stop that. We've got millions, hundreds of millions of examples now of it working well. So they ought to just take that excuse away from people. Yeah, no, I agree. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Julie. That is all the time we have for today. Great discussion. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. You also can find a recording of this podcast and all our podcasts on the Healthcare Now Radio Network, iTunes, Spotify, and other streaming services. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.